Welcome back to the podcast. This is Heartbreak and Hot Pot, How I Lost 45 Pounds in Six Months. This is episode 14. In the last episode, we ran through uh, a lot of the things that we had to do to change brands. You know, we were Our contracts with the uh, franchisor, Fantastic Sam's, were rejected, and we had to rapidly change brands. And insanely, we had to move from one salon to another. I mean, it, the things we had to accomplish to make this happen were a little bit amazing when you think about it. But we got it done. We, we, we rebranded as Soda Style Salon. What a great name and, and you know so much energy in the team behind it. So in this uh, episode, we're going to jump further into the bankruptcy court and what actually happened, what, what, what ended up happening. So I know you're on the edge of your seat right now. <laughs> But before I get going on that, I want a little musical interlude here. Um, I've mentioned before that Jonathan Richmond, singer-songwriter, virtuoso guitarist, I've become a huge part of my life. When you can discover new music, you know, suddenly, I hadn't heard of Jonathan before last year, and uh, he popped up into my life somehow. I read about him somewhere, and I started listening, and I was blown away. And uh, he's really meant a lot to me emotionally. I mean, his 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 lyrics are very intelligent. They're very smart. They're very heartfelt, and they're very real. And I really enjoy it. But also the music. I mean, the the guitar work. Oh man. So he was my top listen at this stage of the journey. You know, it's just everything that he brought. Do you ever see the movie Something About Mary? That's Jonathan and his drummer partner Tommy Larkin. As the Greek choir, they they add commentary to the whole movie musically, and it's just it really works very well. At the end of the movie, he gets shot and he flies over a seawall into the water. And so, give him a listen. One of my favorite songs of his, emotionally for me and where I am in my life, is "My Baby Loves 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 Me Now." I'm just going to read a little bit of it. My baby love, love, loves me now even more than I prayed. I prayed. I asked. But I didn't expect this. My baby love, love, loves me now even more than I prayed for. Even more than I prayed. Well, she loves. She does. But I had to be ready for it. She loves. She does. But I had to be ready. I had to pray. I asked. And I was blessed. God, I wanted someone to love me. It was just, it's such a beautiful sentiment. It really seemed a lot easier in the past. Before Lori. But my string of dates after Lori all ended with nothing. You know, I was falling for woman after woman, as I do. Each one told me after two or three dates that they were not interested. And my therapist always told me that it was not me. That they were likely not ready for a relationship. My theory... Even though I tried my best to take it easy, I think they all sensed that I wanted to secure a serious relationship way too fast. And I think I did. It's taken me some time to adjust to being alone, to living on my own. 
you know, after the psychologically damaging close to my four plus year engagement, I was finally coming to terms with being alone. I was a little too reliant on my dogs as my family, but I was glad they were there. So what happened with the bankruptcy court, with this whole buildup? Fantastic Sam's pressed a lot harder than we thought. They had a lawyer in Connecticut. And they also had to hire a Minnesota-based lawyer so they could be represented in the state. I mean, that's a lot of money. Many of our hearings were on the phone. We did have two court appearances where that lawyer in Connecticut had to fly out. Expensive. In the first court hearing, Fantastic Sam's argued that our case should not be handled in the bankruptcy court. They felt that it should move to the district court. You know, it's a process that would take at least a year. The the court's just backed up a year. It would force me to hire a much more expensive lawyer than my friend John. Of course, I did not and I would not have the money for the district court, so we'd be finished. I think that was their, their whole strategy. The judge told them outright that the district court would just kick the case back to the bankruptcy court because bankruptcies and corporate reorganizations designed to enable a company to survive, they're the responsibility of the bankruptcy court, not the district court. This was very clear and stated many times, you know, like I said, very clear, but they kept pushing. That that was their strategy. The lawyers said they didn't have the decision-making ability to stop that push for the district court. It was all the CEO of Fantastic Sam's franchise corporation. He was hell-bent on stopping me. So we had another live hearing, and I took the stand. And on May 3rd, 2023, we had this hearing. This time, Fantastic Sam's brought in two witnesses to testify against me. We were going to have a real court session. I was going to take the stand, as I said. Uh, First, they called the former district manager for Minnesota and Wisconsin, Ms. Terry Lewis. Terry and I had gotten along great. Uh, She was smart. In fact, one of our meetings, I was expressing my usual frustration and actual anger at the status quo, and she said off the record that she hated what she was doing because she could not find a way to help all of us, you know, the, the owners in her region. She couldn't help find a way to help us survive. She had no tools and nothing she could offer, offer except condolences. You know, by the time of my trial, she'd left that job to become the corporate educator in the region. She had escaped the position that she hated, but now she was going to testify from the authority of that old position. You know, I couldn't leave my position. There was little recourse other than the Chapter 11 path I was pursuing, but she got out. So she took the stand and testified about what happened after the judge rejected my contracts in January. She told everyone that it took me over two weeks to cover up the Fantastic Sam signs with my new salon name banners. She testified that it took us a few days to remove all the Fantastic Sam's logos from our windows and all our internal furniture and and such. Her job was basically to set the foundation for their core argument that we profited immeasurably from the Fantastic Sam's name even after we left the franchise. That it was some kind of insidious plan that I had all along you know, to use their good name to move my business forward. That's bullshit. As I've presented so far, the brand was a detriment to everything it touched. 
there was a new CEO, as I've mentioned, who'd come on in late COVID to try and fix everything. He really had his work cut out for him. But first, you know, he really had to destroy me to protect the franchise system. Word had it from other owners who'd worked with him in Minnesota in the past that he was pretty vengeful and he didn't like to lose. I mean, nothing wrong with that. I can understand his position, but that didn't change my own position trying to save my business. You know, the second witness they brought against me was the latest social media guru that they'd hired. I was surprised because she ended up being a lot more intelligent than I'd expected. Higher caliber than what they had worked with in the past. She also seemed to really dislike me. I mean, the, the way the words came out of her mouth describing, you know, what I had done had a real tinge of disgust to it. She'd found that when I rebranded our website, I had neglected to change the company name in the site's footer. It said, copyright 2023 LDANCOR DBA Fantastic Sam's. There were so many things to update, and I hadn't seen that little one. So I fixed it while we were sitting in the court using my phone. Mission accomplished. My lawyer told the judge that it was fixed. <laughs> the social media expert testified about how we had our Google listings up still. You know, listings that had reviews from when we were Fantastic Sam's. I could tell you there's no way to fix this short of just showing those physical locations as permanently closed. You know, that would have been the death of our salons. Everybody goes to Google to find you know, where you can get a haircut or anything else. And we had incredible review ratings on Google, you know, something that only our, our culture, you know, something like ours, could create. We just kept growing our ratings. You know, they grew exponentially since year two of when I came in because you know, we had such pleasant salons. We rarely got a negative review. Uh, she told the court that we'd rebranded not just our Google business pages. We'd also rebranded our salon Facebook pages. Of course we had. And we had so much great, you know, organic content on those pages. We took a lot of pride in our online image. We worked hard at it. She said that we'd also created and then poorly managed our Yelp pages. Please. If you've ever tried to work with Yelp as a business, you'll know that it's almost impossible I'd given up in year one of our company being operational. Actually, you know, in years prior and past jobs, I'd had difficulty working with them. It's just a waste of time. Fantastic Sam's didn't grasp or, or just acknowledge that Yelp created a page for every business the public encountered. If you wanted to claim that page, you could go for it, but they made it difficult and expensive. They hounded you endlessly to sign up for different packages. I said, no thanks. We'd focus our efforts on Google business pages, Facebook, and Instagram. Fantastic Sam's representatives and their lawyer attacked the fact that I had a website, my own website for the business, you know, which the franchise corporation did not allow. I had written permission from corporate, their corporate, to have my own website. And many operators throughout the United States had their own websites, you know, larger operators. Operators in Florida, Nevada, California, all had their own websites that delivered messaging and directed booking appointments. You know, their websites and mine were all created out of necessity because there, there just wasn't anything in the corporate online presence. And we knew what we were doing. 
you know, we, we did better work than what they did. You know, they didn't have the same talent set. You know, so they gave us permission because of that. Fantastic Sam's was and is far behind the times in presenting a good brand image to the public. After she was done with her testimony, the Fantastic Sam's lawyer called me to take the stand. <laughs> so what did he learn from me on the stand? What did, what did they get? Nothing. He asked me questions about why I left the franchise, and I told him that logically we couldn't afford the ongoing payment of $110,000 per year for three closed salons. I mean, who could, who, what business could, could sustain that? Given the fact that we were having difficulty hiring, we couldn't afford the rest of their fees either. You know, but that's obviously a whole other issue and, and a huge downside to the franchise system again. When you start out with a franchise, things look great, you know, but we had fixed weekly fees. There's no way for our business to adapt to the economic downturn. I, I wanted to know why Fantastic Sam's franchise, the whole system had gone from over 1,200 salons in 2018 to under 500 in 2023. I, I, I kept counting on the court to consider this. I mean, it was, it's a, that's huge. You know, our, our competitive chains didn't experience that. Great clips, sport clips. You know, it was mismanagement. At one point, the lawyer asked me what would happen if we got out of our non-compete with the franchisor, if we won this whole thing. I replied that other struggling franchisees would want out and they might follow the same path. He jumped on this like I was, it was evidence of my deceitful nature. I looked on it as evidence of the common sense business survival tactic that I'd taken with my lawyer and this whole legal process. That's why I was in the bankruptcy case in the first place. The court showed no reaction either way to the evidence presented as, as they would. I really felt we had a definitive advantage. We were still a small, struggling business asking the bankruptcy court to enable us to, enable us to survive, to do what they were there to do. We wanted to pay our team of stylists, keep them working. Well, we worked on the debt that we had with the Small Business Administration and Bremer Bank. What had we done wrong? Nothing in my eyes. We just followed the trajectory that was laid before us. COVID and Fantastic Sam's had laid that in front of us. I wish the world worked with more logic. But it, it doesn't, as most of us know. It just doesn't. So May 12th, 2023 rolled in. I mentioned earlier my morning routine, get a cup of tea, then sit down in front of the computer, do my break-even analysis, do some other planning for the day, for the week, for the month, look at advertising, all the, all the things that I needed to do when I was in my home office. Our director of operations, Tammy, and I had a normal morning call around 9 a.m. It wasn't fixed at 9 a.m. It was when we both had the opportunity to get on the phone, but usually around nine. We would discuss everything going on with the business. You know, we'd make plans for the day if there was any emergencies or we needed to cover anybody who was out sick, all that kind of stuff that a business needs to, to keep moving. We were pretty efficient. You know, we, we knew what we had to cover in those conversations and we did it quickly and 
things worked well. We were a good operation. I'll keep saying that, but we were a good operation. In the middle of the conversation, right? I guess you'd call it the middle. I don't know. I received an email from my lawyer. Kevin, please see attached. The judge shut all the salons down immediately. I'm going to do some looking around to see if L. Dan can sell these locations to someone not related at all to you. I think you mentioned you might have someone interested. If so, we would have to move really quick as any sale would require court approval. John. The attachment was an order from the court to shut down our operation immediately. It was half a page. <laughs> if we didn't shut down the U.S. Marshals would come into our salons and close them for us. They'd walk customers out. They'd walk our team members out. Can you imagine? I mean, I felt cold. I started kind of quietly sobbing. I, it, My psyche couldn't take this. Things kept piling on, piling on. We were going to win. We didn't win. I'd worked on this for almost five years, and we were going to win. This was my business. I'd put everything I had into its survival. Everything, my 401k, the house I had in San Diego, everything was poured into this thing. I had no money. Our team was my family. We trusted and loved each other, I thought. I told Tammy about the email. I could barely speak. I was quietly crying. I know that doesn't sound very manly, but I was crushed. I didn't know what to do next. I just told her we were shut down. She couldn't believe it. She kept asking over and over again what, what, what I meant. Judge presiding, it is hereby ordered, adjudged, and decreed. They, they, then it just lists off the businesses we still had and says that you know they have to close immediately. And Kevin Steele and persons in his immediate family, including spouses, domestic partners, parents, or children, are further enjoined from owning or operating a hair care business in any location prohibited by sections, etc., etc., until January 11th, 2025. Any other request for injunctive relief in the motion is denied as moot. So there it was. The entire business shut down with just half a page of instructions. Final. Moot. Where do you go? What do you do? I mean, despite having my livelihood stripped away, there were things that needed to be addressed immediately. Our cash flow was very tight. We just paid rent. That meant that we didn't have enough cash in the bank to cover the one week of work everyone had just put into our two-week payroll cycle. Payroll for that week alone would run about $15,000. We had about $7,000 in the bank, believe it or not. I mean, we ran tight all the time. Before the bills came in, we had $7,000, and they were coming. We did have a buyer out of Chicago who was set up to bring in enough money to cover payroll. Our lawyer rushed his proposal to the court to keep the doors open, you know, and the cash flow from drying up. All I wanted at this point was to see everyone get paid 
and hopefully to keep the salons operating as they had been. I knew I was out. I mean, that was done. It'd be a new owner. But they were great salons and great team. We'd really built something exciting. And the, pi- the buyer was maybe going to pay me a consulting fee to keep the business going the way, the way I was running it. But that was a long shot. So what happened then? On, fr- uh, on Friday, May 19th, the potential buyer from Chicago sent a letter of intent to the court and to Bremer Bank. You know, they were the only secured creditor, so they needed to prove any of these transactions. Bremer reviewed the offer. They asked for $10,000 more than was originally offered, and, and it was agreed to. So we might actually have a win here, you know, a small win. But on Wednesday, May 24th, 2023, Fantastic Sam's issued a 19-page rebuttal of our sale proposal. Of all the documents that were assembled to date, this was the most attack-prone. They didn't want these salons to survive unless they said, Fantastic Sam's above the door. In my opinion, there was almost nobody on our team who would work for Fantastic Sam's ever again. So what did Fantastic Sam's say in this document? Here's a quick snippet, not the whole thing. These salons only exist as potentially sellable assets, and the Soda Styles brand has any value only because Mr. Steele and Eldan engaged in repeated and flagrant breaches of the non-compete provisions of the franchise. There's a bit more in there about you know how how I put stuff on social media saying we were going to be reopened again soon. You know, I mean, we had to try and keep some communication to our customers so that they wouldn't leave us. You know, we it was it was hope. Let's see, and. Uh, it finishes with, what's more, and despite the court's order issuing 11 days ago, Eldan filed this motion on two days' notice. The clear intent is to create a gotcha and hope that Eldan can rush this deal through before Fantastic Sam's has a meaningful opportunity to respond, or more importantly, before Fantastic Sam's or any of its franchisees have a chance to make proposals to purchase the assets of Eldan and be assigned leases to the locations. Such a rushed sale is not to the benefit of the, of the estate. Fantastic Sam's likely has a contractual right to match or exceed the proposed offers. They claimed verbally, I guess, that there were buyers in the Fantastic Sam's system or in their own pipeline of new owners that would take these locations and operate them as Fantastic Sam's. Again, bullshit. The number of times over the preceding three years that I'd been presented with the claim that there were buyers interested in my properties by these people was just nonsense. But then something worse happened, and I didn't learn about it until after the fact. I'm going to wrap up episode 14 here. Uh, Episode 15 is going to really dive into exactly how this all wrapped up be a pretty good episode i think and then we'll go back into what's going on with my life a bit if you'd like to ask me any questions or send me comments you can reach me at kevin at hotpotforlife.com as always i appreciate your listening to this podcast i hope that you're getting something out of it i'm getting something out of you know relating this to you definitely 
I hope you have a good rest of your day or night, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Fantastic sounds. Heartbreak. Heartbreak. Gotta get back to hot, hot. Heartbreak. And hot, hot.